Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Sided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. We mainly have bullpen to talk about today because that's kind of a relevant topic right now. The bullpen has taken some hits injury-wise. Uh, just recently, we had Pedro Strope have a minor hamstring problem, among many others, so we will talk about that. We will also continue our fun segment where we talk about former Cubs. This is Adam's week to pick a Cub, so we're looking forward to that. And anything else that comes along the way, we will talk about. So, Adam, how you doing? Hey, hi. Doing well. Good to hear. Good to hear. Let's just get right into it. Cubs bullpen. This has been the main topic of conversation really the past few days. Pedro Strope had a uh, hamstring incident the other day. Doesn't sound serious. But when it's a hamstring, you always do worry about it. And Pedro Strope, he's good. He's really good. I don't think anyone has to tell you how consistently good he has been the past four or five years he's been here. This The unfortunate thing is, is that going back to mid-last year, he's had some injury problems. We saw the injury problem last year towards the end of the year, very poorly timed. We are seeing this injury now, and again, it sounds like he's going to be ready for opening day, but... You know, still, it, it naturally concerns you, especially when you have other injury problems, which we'll get to. I know he said he's fine. Everyone said he's fine. Are you at all worried? Well, yeah, I mean, anytime a pitcher is injured, I'm I'm a little worried. Uh, they If they say he's going to be ready by opening day, then, then I'll assume it's not all that serious. I mean, the Cubs are a smart enough organization, I think, that they, they'll play it safe with Strope. I don't think that... I don't think they would put him out there before he's ready to pitch again. So it's just one of those things. We just got to play it by ear. Hopefully he's all right and this isn't uh, too big a deal. But yeah, I mean, it's any sort of injury concern is is a little bit worrying, especially uh, especially in the Cubs case, since they uh, they appear to be a little thin in the bullpen department. Yeah, and we're going to get into that as well right now. So we also have injury problems with Xavier Cedeno, uh, the newcomer lefty, uh, is having some wrist issues. Mike Montgomery's had some shoulder issues. Obviously, we know the big one is closer Brandon Morrow, who's not even going to be ready for opening day. I mean, this is pretty serious because let's look at the bullpen right now. Guys who really have not been injured yet. Oh, and one more I forgot was uh, Brad Brock. Mm-hmm. He had his deal restructured because of complications with mono, which is concerning as, you know, for multiple reasons. And, you know, look, I'll tell you right now, I've known people who have mono. I've had some friends who have had it. They stay away from people for a long time because that is highly contagious. I, it sounds like he's pretty much over it, but still, it is a concern. And, you know, lingering effects probably are there i'm not a doctor i don't know but it is something to note and while he said it was normal for him at this time of year or something along those lines the velocity is down even if he's kind of brushing it off or anyone's brushing it off drops in velocity always do concern you and brad brock was the quote-unquote big move of the offseason when it comes to pitching so if you have questions with him and strope and montgomery and Xavier Cedeno, that doesn't leave you with a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of willing to give him the benefit of the doubt here. I've never had mono, so I, I don't know, you know, what the, the physical recovery time is like. Um, and then with the velocity drop, too, I just have to take take him at his word on that, too, because I, as far as I know, there's not really a way to check uh, spring training velocity stats. I don't know that they, they actually keep track of that, if there's a log of that anywhere. So I I don't know if that's really the case, that Brock is has historically topped out in the high 80s during spring training. Um, but, I mean, the, the flip side of that, too, is that if you just signed with a new team, of course you're going to say, oh, it's normal, everything's going to be all right. I mean, because if, if you say anything other than that, you run the risk of just having your contract exterminated. Uh, so this this is a little bit worrisome. I think this is more concerning than than injury problems, uh, like with Strope and Cedeno. But, uh, you know, tr- truth be told, I think that the bullpen is the the easiest thing to – 
sort of play it by ear and kind of figure out things along the way. I mean, you you need you need good lineup players. You need good starting pitchers. The bullpen is something you can kind of mix and mash uh, as the season goes along. So, and I think a lot of teams are in this this same situation where the bullpen is is a bit of an uncertainty. I think that's more of a problem with every team than than some people would care to admit. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say of of everyone right now, Brad Brock is the biggest eh, kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it bull, it, when it comes to anybody, bullpen pitchers, players, any human being, mo- dealing with mono is a very complicated thing. It's not like a flu or strep throat. Mono yeah. is it's a very weird ailment, and well, I can't tell you anything about it because I'm not a doctor, but I know that for a fact. Yeah, well, see, and and that's the thing is I we haven't had mono, so we we just don't know what what that's like. But when there's that big of a gap, when you go from historically being in the mid '90s and now you're in the the high '80s, like that's that's a pretty big drop. So that's that's a little concerning. Yeah, even when he says it's normal, he's he says it's normal, and this is according to Bleacher Nation. I'm reading yeah. a report from Bleacher Nation right now. Okay, but. When Normal you mix for in, him? like right. I, I don't, I that's that would be news to me if it's normal for pitchers to go from high eighties to to mid nineties in one season. Like I, as far as I know, I've never seen that. Look, I get you're probably not going to be throwing tops when you first start spring training, so I understand that. I really do, but you know, as you move along, is yeah. when you would start to get concerned. I mean, like like let's face it, John Lester in his very first start of spring training. If you saw some down velocity when he just started throwing, yeah, that that's that seems more normal, but when you're seeing it now and you're seeing it after he's battled mono, that's like you said, that's when you're going to have some concerns. And here's the thing. This isn't just one guy. He may be the most concerning guy considering, you know, what he's had, but it's not like it's just Brad Brock who's having issues and everyone else is healthy. That's not nearly the case here, and that's what kind of makes the whole situation more difficult. Yeah, and look, I mean, this. I think that this is, it's it's as big a news as it is because people are already frustrated with the state of the bullpen. I think if people were a little more satisfied with with how that uh, depth chart looked, then this this wouldn't be such a big deal. But at this point. Every little problem just feels like it's just compounding into this this train wreck, this imminent disaster uh, that people think is coming because they they haven't gone out and signed. You know, it's it's like, a, I mean, look, I get it. It's it's not ideal. The Cubs bullpen, I don't think it's in a terrific place right now. Uh, again, a lot of teams could say the same thing, but I mean, fans have to realize this. It's tough. You you can't. The Cubs can't just get every single player they want. I mean, it's. They act like kids who who didn't get everything they wanted for Christmas, but I I think that we we just gotta chill a little bit on this bullpen thing. It's people. It's like people aren't even willing to let this play out a little bit. Interesting. I mean, frankly, I'm a little worried about it. I am. Uh, I'm worried now, about it every year, though. That, I mean, I don't. It's one thing to be worried about it. It's another thing to say, well, it you it, this was negligence. You you didn't do you didn't fulfill your duties this off season. Like you don't know that. Well, I mean, with, with all these, these problems and, and look, we've seen the past few years, we've seen this bullpen work awfully, awfully hard and just fizzle out towards the end. I mean, it happened last year. It happened the year before. So I think that's where some of this concern is. And frankly, I think it's, it's deserved concern. Um, the other thing is, this is also going to put a lot of pressure on the starters. They're going to have to go deep into games. They can't get off to a slow start again. Well, ideally, I mean, that's good bullpen or bad bullpen. That's your goal as a starter every single year is to to try to go deep into the game. Um, look, I, I think that there's there's some promising names in the bullpen. I mean, I I honestly believe that Randy Rosario could, could be a, a good piece in the bullpen this year. I mean... I think people are skeptical, and I understand. I'm a little skeptical. Understandably I'm a little skeptical. so. Understandably so. Yeah. I. But I do think, I do think that there are some guys in that bullpen that could surprise some people this year. All right. Here's my question for you. Who do you trust right now? Who do you trust? Who do I trust the most out mm-hmm. of everybody? 
Yeah, like name guys you just trust in general. Uh, Steve Ciszek. Me too. He's probably the one I trust the most right now. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I Carl Edwards Jr. I I I believe. I I know it's it sounds crazy, but for some reason, I just I feel like this is his year, and I feel like he all he needs to do is just get off to a good start. And I think that the Cubs have have seen him enough to learn how to manage him properly and to, to see the warning signs and to just avoid potential problems. I really feel like, and from what I've seen too, he looks like he has a little bit of a different delivery too. I think this is Carl Edwards year. I think he's going to be a huge part of that pen. Well, I think the talent is definitely there. Here's another question following up. Would you make him the closer right now? If Strope is hurt and Morrow continues to be hurt? <sighs> I mean, my my initial reaction is to say no, but then it's also they're they're kind of thin. So, what other choices do you have? Steve Ciszek. Yeah, Steve Ciszek. Um He's a former closer. I I I would I guess I would probably just go with Ciszek then. I, I don't think there's any reason to put Edwards in a situation that he hasn't been in before, especially when he's kind of looking to rebound. Okay. Um. Who else do you trust? Well, if Brandon Morrow's healthy, I trust him, but obviously that's, that's... That's a big question. That's not the case right now. Um, it's too bad, because he was really good last year when he was healthy. Yeah. When he was um, pitching, he was really good. I guess uh, I don't trust Brandon Kinsler at the moment, though I no. I, I want to, because I he's historically been a, a very good, reliable bullpen pitcher even last year with the nationals he was solid yes i mean so i think it there's there's a chance that maybe this was just kind of an anomaly that he struggled so badly with the cubs so i don't think it's it's uh, i don't think you can just count him out so i kind of 50 50 on kinsler uh it, it really pains me to say that i don't trust brian dunsing because he's a fellow corn husker um i'd love to see him him rebound but uh sounds like a great guy too yeah, yeah, it's a it's a cool story. The, his career, um, maybe maybe I'm not saying I, I trust him obviously because we it's, we just haven't really seen much of him. Uh, do you think Dylan Maples could have a big year or at he's least got to prove it? He's got to throw strikes. He's got the stuff, but he has got to throw strikes. So what do you think is going to happen with him? You think he's you think he's going to play an integral part in the pen this year or not? I I don't know. He may get a shot to with all these thinning injuries. It, there's a lot of problems with the injuries, so it may open up a door for him. And I know they want to open up a door for him. And I'm not ruling out that he could be any good. But as of right now, if I told you that we were going into this season relying on Dylan Maples, I wouldn't be too comfortable with that. Okay, how about Alec Mills? We haven't seen enough of him. I like the promise he has, but again, we got to see more of him. Yeah, but I, I think, I think this year could be those. It could be the year of the 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 newcomers. It could be. It could be. And I want to have. Do they really have much of a choice? I think they almost have to try. Well, that gets into our next topic. There happens to be a star closer still on the market. Now, I know our opinions are probably going to be different on this, so let's just get right into it. Craig Kimbrell, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, Craig Kimbrell, if I get words, words are hard. Obviously, Craig Kimbrell is is one of the best, he's the best closer, the best reliever on the market this year. Best reliever on the market in a while. Uh, But there's some concerns with Craig Kimbrell. Uh, Number one being that he's going to be entering his age 31 season. Uh, and that wouldn't normally be a problem for me, but he's winning a hundred million dollars and that's, that's it for me. Like I, that's where I would draw the line. All these people on Twitter, especially even, even some prominent writers, they say things like the best closer on the market is still without a job. This is every single team should be in on him. This is ridiculous. And it's, I just don't understand that because it's, it's pretty simple. He wants a hundred million dollars. And I think Every team, the reason he's unsigned is because all these teams are smarter than to give a 31 year old a nine digit contract when he's only going to pitch 60, 70 innings tops. That's that's insane. That would be an insane mismanagement of your money. Giving a 100 million dollar contract to a closer. That's there's no way I would do that. 
Do you so, think I mean, he ever gets it? Obviously, I want Craig Kimbrell on the Cubs, but not at that price. Are you kidding me? Well, I was going to say, let's say he decided to be like, okay, I'm no, going to sign a one-year prove-it deal. I I don't see him doing that. I think he's already he's come out and said that he's willing to sit out the, the whole season if he does not get what he wants. And honestly, I think that's going to be the case. That's It's either going to happen like this. He will sit out because I... I guarantee you, I don't see any team in the league giving him a nine-digit contract. I just can't see that happening. Um, so he's either going to sit out the season or he's going to have to settle for something less. And uh, and I don't think he's going to do that. So I I don't think Craig Kimbrell's going to play this year. Hmm, interesting. I know there's talks that he could wait out until the summer and then sign with someone in need. Uh, I don't know what that price would be. But, I mean, it it does seem like he's pretty adamant on getting a big contract. And, look, I understand that there are risks with a 30-year-old reliever. It's hard, though, because this guy is a 191 career ERA in nine years of pitching, 333 saves, a fielding independent pitching of under two, and a whip of 0.92. He would turn any bullpen into a great bullpen pretty much on his own. It's, it's a tough situation to be in. Now, here's the thing. It sounds like the Cubs are going to be looking on the waiver wire and other places that do not involve paying a lot of money for a reliever. It's... It's not an easy stand. I mean, frankly, I say if you can at least try, if your numbers are way different, then, well, I don't think they're going to change their minds, whether you think it's right or not. But I think they should at least try to talk to him. Maybe they have. I don't know. But I mean, you're getting to a point where what are you going to do? Fix this with bubble gum and tape? So you you think they could negotiate some a better price, or do you think that they should just give him the the hundred mil? Well, I think they should at least try to talk to him first. I mean, if they if they can't talk him down from his price, would you still want to give him the one hundred million? Because think think of it this way: let's say he throws seventy innings, uh, which which would be that would be pretty. Uh, I mean, he hasn't thrown seventy innings in quite a while. He his career high is seventy seven, and he did that in twenty eleven. Okay, so so let's say he throws seventy innings. If you give him a hundred million dollars, that's that you're giving him almost a million and a half dollars per inning. It would be a lot of money, yes. But you could also say you're in a competitive window. You're trying to win now. Sometimes you just gotta you gotta go big. Okay, I, so but then but then then what happens in in the years to follow when? They need depth, and they can't even sign a guy like Daniel Descalso because they're giving way too much money to a relief pitcher. Then would people think differently? Because I guarantee you that's what's going to happen. People cry right now that they're not giving $100 million to a reliever. Uh, But if they did that, then the following year they would also moan when the Cubs can't make all the moves they want because because they're giving all their money to to a closer. Well, I mean, we're looking at three-plus years down the road. I mean— Ideally, I don't think this is going to happen. If they I mean, got him on a three-year deal, that would be perfect. But I just, I don't think he'd be willing to settle for that. I just don't know how people haven't learned their lesson on this because they're feeling the fallout of the Jason Hayward deal right now, and now, and now they're crying. Now people are are, are complaining that they're not making that same mistake all over again. And I'm not saying signing Jason Hayward was a mistake. Um, obviously, even at the time that uh, we all believed that they overpaid for him, even if he would have performed uh, the way we projected him to perform, uh, you, you, I mean, the fact is you got to overpay some of those guys to to get him. But a hundred million dollars for a relief pitcher is just insane. I think. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about money, remember there is a buttload of money coming in. Yeah, I mean, there is, but. I, I still, I still think it would just, it would be really unwise. I think it would be reckless. And I, from Kimbrel's perspective, I don't, I don't know how he thinks this is going to work. I really think that that his management should should make him reconsider this because what does he honestly think that he's going to have a better shot 
at getting that nine-figure deal when he's even older. I mean, the longer he waits into his 30s, the, the worse it's going to get, the, the, the lower that number is going to go. Yeah. He should just take what he can get now and run with it. I mean, he's, he could still end up being one of the highest-paid relievers. I just don't think $100 million is realistic for him. I think for me, the thing that would scare me a bit more is like the potential of six years. That might be the thing that would scare me a little more. But I mean, if you pay for six years and you got four really good years out of that, you'd probably take it. Now, if he was, say, 26, I think this would be a much different case. But since he is over 30, there's obviously you know, worry about mileage and age and all that good stuff. And I know his postseason last year, you know, some people are bringing that up again and uh, wasn't particularly pretty, but you can't go wrong with those overall numbers, basically, you know, throughout his regular season career. And when I mention postseason numbers, I'm really referencing the 11.8, five seven ERA in the ALDS last year. But you know, you look at that and you look at the sample size and you realize it was a few earned runs in two point one innings. So obviously take the sample size, you know, as it is and gauge it from there. But you know, overall, Craig Kimball's proven that he's arguably been the best and most consistent reliever in the game. Look, long story short, I don't think that the Cubs are bringing in Kimbrel. I think they've made it pretty clear that they're not going to be spending any more well, money. Well, yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. I mean, even if he was cheaper, even if he was in like the the fifty to seventy million dollar range, I still don't think the Cubs would go after him because it, after all this all this time in this off season, I think they've made it abundantly clear that they they aren't going to spend that kind of money. So I don't know why they would all of a sudden now. Yeah, that's the thing. I they're. they're from what it sounds like, they're trying to be flexible during the regular season to make moves in the regular season. Now, here's what I kind of worry about. And, you know, the last few years, I've been the kind of guy where I'm like, all right, if you need to trade prospects or young assets for, you know, veteran reinforcements, okay, do it. And maybe you can still do it now, but I would really have to, I would really hate to have to trade away a guy like a Zach Short or a Dakota Mekas or even like a Nico Horner, which I don't think they will. But I would hate to see them trade some young, valuable assets, more young, valuable assets away for a rental reliever. Let's just say that if they needed it. Well, I don't I don't think they'd trade somebody like Nico. Do you? I mean, that's well, that's look at a... the trades they've made in the past for relievers. Yeah, true, but the, I mean the key there is in the past, and I think that we we're all aware now that they're at a point where their farm system is pretty thin, and and we we expected that they they are where they are now because they they had to they kind of had to clean out the farm system a little bit to get better players, and that's how it works. And so now they're at the point I think where they they do have to be a little bit more careful about how they go about trading because I mean I I think that they need to hold on to guys like Nico Horner. I think they do and I I think they will this maybe is, not necessarily him but other guys. This is the toughest I think this is the toughest point uh for a team where you're not I, you're, you're you're reluctant sort of to buy and sell at the same time. Yeah. Because because on the one hand their 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 championship window is still open. And so you want to you want to do whatever you have to do. Uh, to win the big one right now. But at the same time, you realize that you're setting yourself up for some some trouble ahead when you have no good prospects in your system. And so I think there's they're kind of walking on a tightrope here to to have their, their farm system not be a complete joke, but at the same time still have some sort of assets at their disposal to get the pieces they need to win now. That's so I, I don't envy them being in this position because this is this has got to be the toughest period to figure things out and so i think they 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 deserve a little bit more credit than we give them right now because it's it's not as cut and dry as twitter seems to think it should be it is it is a difficult time i definitely agree with that and that's where my concern comes in because look at the end of the day you're trying to win now you're trying to win another world series that should be priority number one you worry about the future later, but you also want to preserve, you know, some future outlook 
intact. You want to do that. That's that's just a natural part of managing a team and being yeah. a general manager or a president or a manager or whatever. Uh, now, the last few years, we've seen trades of young assets for relievers. Now, it all depends on who's out there. Because, look, in 2016, Aroldis Chapman was on the block. They traded Glaber Torres. Yeah. Then they traded Jorge Soler for Wade Davis. And then you traded away Jamer Candelario for Justin Wilson and Alex Avila. Really, last year was the first time since 2015 where they didn't really make a big trade with any notable farmhands, but they had done it the past several years before that. Now, let's say the Cubs' bullpen continues to battle injuries and isn't all that consistent. I mean, let's say we're in, I don't know, June, July, we're nearing the trade deadline. You may be in a position where you're just going to have to trade away more young assets. It's, it's of course, again, it's going to depend on who's available, but it, th- this is kind of a sucky situation. And well, the, I mean, the hope is that they don't reach that point because I mean, you're right. Uh, they, they'd have a choice to make at that point if they if they want to go all in uh, and trade guys that ideally we'd rather hold on to, or if they sort of throw in the towel, so to speak, and kind of hit the reset button and try it again uh, in 2020 and and build uh, in the the off season for that for that year. But uh, I, I mean, at a certain point, your hands are tied and you got to make a decision like that. It's Ideally, that that won't happen, but uh, I mean, the way things are looking now, it's not a safe bet that all is going to go well. I mean, look at all the championship winners, including us, going back the past number of years. What do they all have in common? They had a reliable bullpen. bullpen yep. And one or two guys you could rely on just shutting everything down. Hey, that's something you're going to need. And Look, right now, looking at the Cubs, who would be that guy on a postseason team? I mean, Morrow's got postseason experience, and he's good, but if he's not healthy and missing a chunk of the year, would you want to rely on him? Would you want to rely on Carl Edwards Jr. right now being that guy? Uh, I'm with you that this is his year to really prove consistency. And look, Carl Edwards Jr. has great stuff, but you can't be walking, guys. You can't fall apart when you're throwing strikes like that in the postseason. And that's just, I feel like the Cubs are really missing that. And they can get it during the year, but if you're going to go that route, be expected to give up something for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, you can't expect to get something for nothing. And I'm not. I'm not saying that they that they that doing nothing is is the right way to go. But I am saying that that our expectations of this bullpen are so low that I think that I mean there's not there's nothing they could do that would that could disappoint us even further. So I think that honestly, I think that, that it's set up for them to to surprise us, to pleasantly surprise us, because I just I don't. We're, we're, what we're all doing right now is we're assuming the worst, and I honestly I think that I don't think that's going to be the case. I'm not saying it's going to be the the best bullpen in the National League, but I don't think it's going to be the, this train wreck disaster that everybody thinks it's going to be. I think even Tyler Chatwood could be a great guy in the bullpen. I mean, look at the spring he's having. I mean, I I know that even I say don't read too much into spring training, but his control looks a lot better so far. I mean, it's it doesn't really matter who's at the plate. It's the strike zone is still the same. I mean, obviously is a little taller or shorter, but, but relatively, and, and he, he, if he can throw some strikes, Tyler Chatwood could be a great piece in the bullpen. Yeah. That's just going to be another one where I'm just saying, wait and see. Well, yeah. I mean, every, all, all these guys are believe it when I see it, but it's so far it's encouraging. No. Well, yesterday, things really went south, but that was just one inning. So, I mean, yeah, things had been going very well until the inning yesterday where things just completely went off the rails. Um, you, 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 all you can do is hope. I mean, that's all I can do. I just, I don't know. I mean, if I were going into the season right now, looking at the bullpen saying, 
who do I absolutely trust right now? That's Pedro Strope, and he's dealing with hamstring issues, and Steve Ciszek. And I'm feeling pretty good about Carl Edwards Jr., but let's see if he can truly get those walks under control. But I do like the direction he's going in. It just would be nice to have one more guy you could trust in there. And, yeah. hey, maybe Morrow comes back and he dominates. I just, we got to see what happens there. Yeah, I just, I think that a lot of the panic is just a little over the top. Because, I mean, like I've like I've already said, of, of all the positions in baseball, of all the areas, I think the bullpen, I think, is the easiest to figure it out as the season goes along. I mean, if you don't, if you don't have a good solid rotation, pitching rotation set before the year, you're in trouble. If you don't have dependable position players before the season starts, you're in trouble. The bullpen, I, the bullpen, you can kind of play it by ear. You can fix it as you go along. So I, I, I think that, I think they'll be okay. I, it's, I'm not all that worried, really. It may be the easiest thing to do in season, but I will also argue it is the hardest thing to do from season to season because of how fickle bullpens are. I mean, and it's, I mean, come and come on. It's you're talking, you're talking three four innings generally per game and that's and that's about it but those are pretty important innings sometimes i would argue a lot of the time uh not not if they're up by five runs i don't think i mean it's well, well you can't you can't expect them to out slug every team every game i mean you're gonna have to be prepared for close games especially in the playoffs it's a it's a bigger deal if you're if you're considered a fringe team if you're you know one of those teams that uh, might just barely be able to make the playoffs then every single inning obviously counts but the Cubs are a really good team they're going to win a lot of ball games and I just I don't I don't know how I can stress this enough that I don't think the bullpen is going to be as a, as big a disaster as people think it is and I think that Theo Epstein and Jed Hoy are, are smart enough to to figure it out as it goes along. I mean, that's fair. And I'm not sitting here saying it's going to be the worst bullpen in baseball. I don't think it's anywhere near the worst, but I will say I do have plenty of concerns. And I think we've, I mean, we all have concerns and, and they're warranted, but I, that, what, I would ask, what should they do? What would you do right now? And I mean, uh, let's cross Craig Kimbrell off the list because they've made it clear. They're not going to spend that kind of money. And I think it's, it's totally fair that they wouldn't spend that kind of money on a reliever. Uh, if you're, if you're the manager, if you're the GM of the Cubs right now, what are you doing to address the bullpen? Well, you better be looking for other options. Who who are you going after? Who specifically are you targeting? Well, I'd have to look at the list of free agents or waiver wires, but you got to be active. You know, let's do you don't, do that? You don't think you don't think they were. I mean, that's that's another thing that that people uh, I think tend to, to forget about is that just because just because you don't get somebody doesn't mean you weren't actively pursuing them well I you mean, also they, gotta they, remember these, still, these players are still they're they're the ones choosing the team it's not the it's not the other way around the cubs can't just say i want you boom you're a cub i mean they still have to agree well yeah but you got to remember that a lot of these injuries just happened so they have to have time to actually look into this i'm just telling you that's what i think they need to do but don't you think that they probably are? I mean, behind the scenes, just because it's not. I'm sure they are. They, they said they are. Right. They said so, they are. Right. So that's that's what I'm saying is that maybe we all need to just relax a little bit on the whole bullpen thing. Well, uh, we don't relax here. That's relaxing is not allowed. Well, that's true. You you are not allowed to relax. Not allowed to relax at the all. constant state of pandemonium only. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at reliever. I mean, on the market right now, outside Kimbrough, there's probably not a lot of notable names out there. I mean, a lot of them are older guys or lesser known guys. I mean, Joaquin Benoit is a free agent. He's 41 years old. Ryan Madsen, he's 38. Jim Johnson is 36. Josh Fields, Alex Will. I mean, those are... Those are really the guys out there outside of uh, right. Kimber. Right. See, that's what I'm saying is that I don't know. It's sometimes I get the impression that Twitter Cubs Twitter just thinks that there's this large pool of 20 something relievers who are all flamethrowers and just waiting to be signed by the Chicago Cubs. But the Cubs just won't do it. And like, come on, that's it's not as simple as you guys make it seem. 
Well, I think most people just want Kimbrel. And I mean, we won't go more on that because we've already talked about it. But I think that's really the thing is people want Kimbrel. That's I don't think there's really anyone else people specifically want outside him. Yeah, I mean, Kimbrel would be nice, but people should have realized by now that the Cubs aren't going to spend that money. Yeah, I'm not I'm not expecting it. I'm, yeah. I'm really not. All right. So uh, let's move on here. Uh Wow, we talked a lot about that. Yeah, we we really did. Um, I do have I do have a bone to pick with you, real quick. Yeah, what's so, that? This is a little off topic, but you you should have known this is coming. Uh, last week when you said uh, that the Lord of the Rings trilogy hasn't held up well over time, and that I need you it to hasn't. explain. I need you to explain yourself on that because because you're just you're so incredibly wrong about that. The movies are long, and the CGI is incredibly outdated. Yeah, but there's there's not a whole lot of CGI in those. That's that's what I think. I mean, a few of the orcs and trolls, but m- like the majority of the orcs are people in makeup. Uh, the majority of the of the like the big scenery, uh, like the buildings, is miniature modeling. Um, those are of, fine. Th- those are fine. Yeah, but they're, they're, that's what I'm saying. Honestly, I think those movies look better than the Hobbit movies where ev- Hobbit like, movies where literally garbage. everything is CGI. I think the second one's pretty good. Oh, I think even some parts I, there, I, I like parts of all of them a lot, but I think that as a trilogy, it's, it's not all that great. Uh, mostly because they took uh, a, a, a really short book, a book that's short, like way shorter than all three of the Lord of the Rings books, and then made it into this really long trilogy. It's just too much stuff to cram into three movies. I think it could have been awesome if they would have just made one movie out of it, one or two movies out of it. And they added a lot of stuff, too. There's a lot of stuff in there that's not actually in the book, The Hobbit. But I, I don't know. I just think you're it's I thought that was an insanely hot take that those movies haven't held up well, because I think th- that's that's one of the best uh standing trilogies ever i I never got into it i I watch i watch it now and i think it looks terrific of course they're long movies they're long books yeah and i'm not saying they're bad i'm not saying they're bad i'm not saying i hate it i'm just i'm just not into it what what really you this is this is just mind-blowing to me I, I just can't I can't let you slander the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I just I won't I won't. I'm not even it. slandering it. I'm not saying it's awful. I'm just saying that I I'm just not into it. I I I I can't get through a movie. I just think it's too long. Wow, I don't know if I can be co-host of this show anymore. It's not too long. Come on. In fact, I I prefer to to watch the extended edition ones where each wow, where, where each of the that. three movies are like five and a half hours long. Those oh, those are the ones you want to no watch. Way. It's like the opposite scenario of The Hobbit. That's they didn't they weren't <laughs> they weren't able to cram everything into each of the movies. Ugh, no way. No way I could do this that. Is, this is unbelievable to me. You just not a Lord of the Rings fan in general, then? Not really. Again, I don't dislike it. I'm just not. Wow, into- man, you're that. This is some kind of weird. I like. I'm really looking forward to the Amazon series. I think it's going to be awesome. I hope it rivals Game of Thrones. Well, I've never watched Game of Thrones. What? No. You just keep saying things that blow my mind. What is wrong with you? I don't have time to get into it. What do you mean you don't have time to get into it? You, you take an hour occasionally a night and watch an episode and you'll you'll just to- be totally immersed in it it's amazing i'm not saying i don't not want to get into it because i've heard good things it's... about it and it doesn't treat me i just i, I, think I you... say i'm gonna watch it and i just never get around to it i think you'll love it uh, everybody who watches it loves it uh even even my mom like my mom generally hates that kind of tv uh but i think my dad convinced her to try to watch it uh, and now the two of them have been through the entire series like three times. They love I'm it sure. so much. It's my it's brother so is a super fan of it. He has the books. He has all the shows. He's been to concerts with the soundtrack. I want to get into it. I just you, I haven't you, gotten around to it. You need to. It's it's amazing. You're you're missing out so much. Well, I'm gonna guess that you're like a big Harry Potter guy. I am. Disappointed in you, man. You're not into Harry Potter. I think Harry Potter's okay. I think it's. I don't think it's in, even in the same ballpark as Lord of the Rings movies. Oh boy. 
What a bunch of kids waving around some sticks, flying around it's on a brooms. It's whole universe of oh. magic, man. Magic. You're weird, man. Harry Potter couldn't have gotten the ring to Mountain Dew. Oh, and Lord of the Rings is saying. realistic. I'm not saying it's realistic. I'm just saying like it's better. Man. There's no way Harry Potter could have done what Frodo did. No way. And 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 They're Gandalf. Really Gandalf is Gandalf is infinitely cooler than what's his name from Harry Potter the other the copycat the the rip rip off discount what's his name Dumbledore Grumbledore yeah that Dumbledore is just discount Gandalf that's all he is well you know actually Sir Ian McClellan was originally going to yeah either originally considered for the role or he was I I don't really remember the story behind it yeah, I I heard about that too. That I think you're right about that. That would, I don't know if that would rub me the wrong way if I was Ian McKellen just being typecast as old wizard dude. Well, I mean, I thought it was fine because you you would try to associate each other with each other, and you don't necessarily want to do that. Um, but you know, so I think I think that worked out fine. But I will say though that the the first Dumbledore they had, I thought was the best. Oh, Richard they, Harris. Did they have three or did they just have two? two. Yeah, two. I I loved I liked the first one a lot more than the second one. I thought his just general demeanor fit the character a little better. He was more like the Dumbledore in the books, but I will argue the second Dumbledore fit the darkness of the later movies better. But if you want to just talk about a personal Dumbledore and more like the ones from the books, then yeah, Richard Harris, the first one. He yeah he yes, seemed to yeah. have more of the the wise grandpa vibe than the second guy. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, and you know Dumbledore was supposed to be like well over like 120 or whatever how old he was, and y- you kind of got that vibe from Richard Harris because you know he he was made up to look like a very very old person, and the way he kind of sounded too like a like an old man. Uh, I suppose we better talk about baseball some more, huh? Yeah, why don't we? But I just you know needed what? I needed to take a little time to grill you on that, and hopefully, the listeners are just as infuriated with you. Honestly, I think a lot will be on your side, but you'll get the some that are on my side. Uh, yeah. Well, we don't we don't want anything to do with those people. Okay. Any more? Before we move on, any any other takes you'd like to to heart me on? Uh, not at the moment. But if I think of something, I'll be sure to bring it up again. Okay. All right. Do you have any hot takes for us quickly before we go to our uh, last segment? No, let's let's do the segment. Um, All right. Who is your former cub that we will be talking about this evening? Uh, A a very recent cub. Uh, Somebody who I liked a lot and somebody who I'm kind of sad is not a cub. Travis Wood. Okay. very, very interesting. Uh, yeah, that's okay. So the reason I like Travis Wood a lot is because, uh, he, he sort of embodied what I think every baseball player should be. And that is a a well-rounded baseball player, somebody who cares about doing everything, uh, to the best of their abilities. He liked hitting, uh, for a pitcher, he was pretty good at it. Uh, and he even had a pretty cool moment in the outfield. If you remember. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes, I do. Against the Mariners in 2016. Made that mm-hmm. catch at the wall in that big comeback. Yep. yep, and I think I just think that's awesome. A baseball player who who pitched well, who played in the outfield, and who got some good hits. That's that's what every baseball player I think should be. Uh, it's what all of those guys were at one point in their lives. Uh, but you reach that that highest level, and then your your job obviously is to just focus on one thing. I'm not blaming the players, obviously, because it's what they're taught to do. It's what they're paid to do. Um, but every once in a while, you see a guy like Travis Wood, uh, who can be sort of a Swiss Army knife type of role, uh, and so I I, I kind of miss seeing that on the team, and so that's that's who I choose to remember on this week's edition. Okay, yeah, I mean, remember he was an All Star in 2013. That was by far his best year. He was the only All Star of the Cubs on that awful 2013 team. Uh, career high 200 innings. A career best 3.11 ERA, a career high 32 starts, and if you remember, one of his moments that season was a grand slam against the White Sox. And mm-hmm. you bring up his batting. In his career, he hit 11 home runs in the regular season, 
And then you remember in the 2016 postseason, he hit a home run there too. Do you think that that his his drop off has anything to do with not being a Cub? Because I mean, if you like, you mentioned the innings thing. He was at one point a starting pitcher, and then he had to transition into a bullpen role for the Cubs in 2016. And he took it like a champ, and he was really good. Uh, but he's he's not had good luck with the Royals or the Padres. No, and I don't know if he's not active anymore because I know he had the ligament injury last year. And I don't I don't remember hearing about him retiring, but according to Baseball Reference, it says 2010 through 2017, and it says last game was September 25th, 2017. So is he? Just, I don't know. You think did, he's did he retire? Done? He may be. I don't know that he's actually announced retirement, but he isn't signed by any team at the moment. You think he's just technically a free agent is that somebody you think the cubs could potentially you know try to give him a workout and just to see if he's still got anything uh first i'm gonna just double check and see if he's retired or not but his name did come up i remember when he did become a free agent saying hey let's bring him back or when he was released i believe from was it kansas city in 2017 because he was released and then it was picked up by the Padres, or was he involved yeah. in a trade? I cannot remember. Okay, he was involved a in a trade. Yeah, yeah. So he was involved in a trade. Uh, yeah, really struggled that year. Last year, he signed a minor league contract with the Tigers, and then uh, he had the uh, the ligament injury. I can't remember if it was an MCL or an ACL. Um. It doesn't look like he's officially retired. I'm not seeing anything. No, I, I don't think he is, but I, I do think he, he's probably just done. I mean, it's looking at the last couple of years and the the injury problems. It's it's probably a safe bet that his, his MLB career is over, which is sad, but I'm, I'm always going to remember him fondly with his, his time with the Cubs. Yeah, and it was an ACL injury, by the way. Where he was Ooh, hurt, so yeah. it was nice. yeah, last year. Hard thing to bounce back from at that age. You know what's funny is I remember his MLB debut with the Reds back in 2010, and he owned the Cubs that game. And oh, a lot of people owned the Cubs in 2010. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And um, he was a Red his first two years. Then he came over in 2012, and he was the longest tenured Cub for a while. Because Anthony Rizzo came up in 2012, but that was in July or June, whenever it was. I was at his first game. But Travis Wood was there since the beginning of 2012. And by 2016, he was the longest tenured Cub on that uh, 2016 championship team. So, little fun fact for you. Yeah, so, I mean, what do you think of this pick? It's, this is a pretty recent, remember that Cub. I mean, he was a Cub as recently as 2016. So I like it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I figure I, I'd switch it up a little bit since last week you, we did Derek Lee, which is somebody from both of our childhoods. Uh, so I thought we'd we'd talk about somebody uh, that that's pretty recent in our memories this time around. Do you remember who Travis Wood came to the Cubs for? There were more players involved coming uh, over, but who was the guy the Cubs traded to Cincinnati? Do you remember? It's gonna it's gonna kill me when you tell me that I that I can't remember this. Tell I'll me. give you a hint to try okay. to guess. It's a reliever. He was a former starter, made reliever. He was an awful starter, but a great reliever. Uh... No, it's just not coming to me. <laughs> Sean Marshall. <laughs> okay. Sean Marshall, pretty forgettable, pretty forgettable dude. If we're being honest, he was. But if you remember, he was good as a reliever from 2010 to 2011. Those last two years, he had a fielding independent pitching combined. Those last two years of 207 in 150.1 innings. Yeah, he was good. He was a good reliever, but still a. a pretty forgettable guy i would say i mean how many how many people are gonna remember sean marshall i loved him but maybe that's just me that curve yeah, was... see, I'm, 
Yeah, I mean, we we are talking 2010, 2011, and pretty I bad just, teams. I was not, yeah, bad teams, and I just wasn't. Uh, uh, I mean, I've been a Cubs fan my whole life, but I just didn't follow them as closely as I do now. Obviously, it was rough. It I was, mean, because in 2010, I was I was only 15 years old in 2010. Well, also you weren't here in the Chicagoland area either, so right. Yeah, I mean, I I I'm not from Chicago. I I don't live there, so. Well, to get on one quick last tangent before we sign off here, oh, that 2011 team was probably the worst, the second to worst year being a Cubs fan. The worst being 2006, but. Oh, 2011 was just gloomy and bad. Yeah, I, I tried not to think about those days anymore. We those those are behind us. Those days oh. are gone. The the Cubs right now are winners. Uh, they they should remain winners for a little while longer. That's going to be an interesting discussion. Uh, when the Cubs should take their foot off the gas and reset. Yeah, because let's, every cha- let's hope every we don't championship have to think about that for a while. Every championship window ends. Yep. Every team reaches a point where that's it's. I mean, even if you don't want to admit it, it's it's time to start over. For sure, but keep these teams in mind for future shows because I'm sure we will be talking about some former Cubs from that era. Maybe next well, week you should pick somebody who was playing when neither of us had even been born. Okay. All right. That's I don't want. know. I mean, it's that's it seems kind of stupid, but I mean, at the same time, we we did an entire show on Ernie Banks. Yeah, we did. No, I will. I will. That's a good idea. So you'll just have to tune in next week to find out who that is. For right now, we are all out of time here on Climbing the Ivy. Adam, thanks for coming in as usual. Yeah, I would encourage everyone on Twitter uh, to go and harass Alex about his opinion on the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Bring um, it on. Give it, yeah, give him all the, the flack you can. Bring it. Uh, his at is shyfanpat. So, yeah, I would encourage you all to, to log on uh, and to berate him. All right. Cool. You do that. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Thanks for listening. And please be sure to check out Cubby's Crib.